Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. Still to come, he's telling the untold story of Mother Teresa and me. Thierry Kajunut. Simon Desk Weekend means more Travis and Taylor. And Switchfoot returns to the spotlight. And now from Times Square, where Mayor Adams has just declared Monday the official float your rubbish to work day. Here's that heaven! Well, hi kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little bit wet here in the uh, in the Big Apple over the last 24 to 48 hours. And yes, uh, I, evidently no garbage collection needing to be done because, as you can see, the rubbish bins just floating down the street to be collected. Who's able to drive in that, by the way? How do you navigate around the? Yes, we have sinkholes, and yes, even New York has fires in the midst of floods. Here we go. For Assignment Desk Weekend, I'm Kevin McCullough. Let's get to the news. In an attempt to get the press to ask him literally about anything else than the evidence being revealed in his impeachment inquiry, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, seen here listening carefully to the voices in his head, is attempting to remove yet another appliance from the American home. Now, fortunately... As much of the nation heads into the fall and winter, none of us will really need our gas-burning furnace this year. New campaign slogan, though, might be kind of catchy. Stay cold, save the planet, Sleepy Joe. California dictator, Simon Desk Weekend means California governor, Gavin Newsom admits that he's in a bit of a quandary as to how to fill the seat now vacated by the longtime Senator Dianne Feinstein vis-a-vis -vis her death this week. Simon Desk Weekend has learned that the longtime Democrat has received a number of suggestions on who he should pick, and he has decided on a replacement. And what we're about to view together here with you on Assignment Desk Weekend has never been shown. This is secret behind-the-scenes footage that we were able to obtain that nobody else has. Let's view that now. Okay, let's see. Who do I pick? Cackles, move her to Senate. Oh, make that guy the VP, and uh, <laughs> I'm there when he kicks it. Pretty simple, I guess. A wet weekend in New York City has seen more raindrop than Superstorm Ida or Hurricane Sandy in recent years. So much so that the pool area at the Central Park Zoo was flooded so high that the sea lions, who were only able to previously swim in the pool, are now beginning to swim through the entire area. 
Assignment Desk Weekend's news crew even captured one of the sea lions taunting Mayor Adams by continually asking, who's the mayor now, Eric? This week, the GOP held its second debate of the 2024 election cycle. By nearly every account, the event was an abject disaster. Assignment Desk Weekend even predicted, after viewing it, that it would be the least watched debate in the recent era. And when the audience numbers were published on Friday, Assignment Desk Weekend was proven correct. Less than 10 million people are deemed to have viewed it. But not to be deterred, Fox News is promoting very hard your chance to still catch it on demand. I mean, don't miss Stuart Varney absolutely mispronouncing the name of his co-panelist or that very catchy moment when Dana Perino late in the debate asked everyone to give them her idea of who they would vote off the island. Finally, despite a debate and impeachment inquiry, the death of a senator, or a flood in the nation's biggest city, Assignment Desk Weekend acknowledges that the story of the week continues to be Trailer Kelty, uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Uh, top story on not only Access Hollywood, The Today Show, Good Morning America, The Hollywood Reporter, Sports Talk Radio. To be honest, I'm, I'm really, I don't know why I'm into this, but they're both kind of good-looking, fun people. I'm for this. I love to see, I, young love is wonderful. The Kelsey's Brothers own podcast. Yeah, my personal life, that's not so personal. Yeah, well. <laughs> I did this to myself, Jason. I know this. Well, Trav, um, how does it feel that uh, Taylor Swift has finally put you on the map? <laughs> I just And many other outlets. Country singer Jesse James Decker was asked what advice she had for Taylor Swift in relating to dating and marrying a football player. Decker responded by surmising, well, she's never dated an athlete. It's different than her world. She should enjoy it. And because literally no bit of news can now be non-political, even President Trump was asked his opinion regarding the couple by the press this week. The Daily Caller asking him for his thoughts. Well, I wish nothing but the best for both of them. Uh, I hope they enjoy their life, maybe together, maybe not. Okay, most likely not, but I still wish them the best. And that's Assignment Desk Weekend. Still talking about how Twitter blew up Sunday, a football game and who is showing up Tay-Tay pounding on the glass What? She was there to see a guy named Travis Kelsey Sitting in the box with his mom and family We're still talking about it and it's now Tuesday They dating? We don't know Would you like more info? Ooh, 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 ooh. And so I wrote this song last night Sports. Travis Kelsey plays tight end for Kansas City. That's like a wide receiver, but he's more bulky. And he's one of the best tight ends in his story. 69 touchdowns, two Super Bowl rings. He did a dating TV show called Catching Kelsey. Kind of like The Bachelor, but with 50 women from all 50 states to date. Kelsey, a girl from Kentucky won, but they didn't date for long. He dated Kayla Nicole. 
By the way, my wife actually really likes their podcast. She gets it served up to her on TikTok. Travis Kelsey's been an all-pro. Four times his brother Jason's been an all-pro. Five times they played against each other in the Super Bowl one time. Their mom was really cute and had a custom jersey made. And Travis had a cameo on Showtime TV. You probably wouldn't like it, but I thought it was funny. It's called Moonbase Hayden. It's with John C. Riley, And Travis got killed off in the first episode. If you want to gaslight your person, you should just walk up to him and say, isn't it cool that Taylor Swift is bringing this attention to this up-and-coming football player? Up-and-coming. That's what I yeah. said. I was like, isn't this cool? I, I got some of that uh, the last couple of days. And, and, and I wanted and, to say, like, he's one of the best that's ever played the sport. And so, Lola's yeah. like, is it? oh, my gosh, this is like no-name football player. Yeah. And his head almost exploded. So uh, I learned a lot from your song. Yeah. You get served up this podcast on uh, TikTok. On TikTok. Like, you started, like, caring well, about him before this. Right? Okay, a little bit. I mean, only because there was rumors they were dating. Oh, got it. But now my TikTok algorithm is really confused because now it's just serving me football content, and I don't want to say that. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Maybe they're just friends. They can just be friends. Sure. They can just be friends. But isn't it nice that he's getting this attention finally? Because you say he's pretty good. He's one of the greatest. Now you're objectifying him. The comedic (laughs) genius of husband-wife team, Penn and Kim Holderness, here on That Kevin Show. Just ahead, more great stuff. Don't go anywhere. Ready or not, we'll be right back. My next guest has uh, come to the fore with a new film that is taking on a historical character that I know many of us, including I myself, have not spent as much time learning about as I think she probably deserves. But what were the circumstances of her life and why is it the subject of his new film, Mother Teresa and Me? Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome Thierry Cajunut. Hello, Terry. Hey, uh, very nice to have have me, Kevin, on your show. Absolutely. Very glad to be with your guests. Absolutely. We are glad to have you. I I got notice of your film a few weeks ago, and I was um, kind of immediately taken by the concept of the story. And for people that uh, are unfamiliar with your work, you you do have another um, award-winning movie called Henry Fool, uh, which won Best Screenplay Award at the Cannes Film Festival in 1998. So you've been around the movie business a bit. What was it about this story that you felt compelled to create uh, this story about Mother Teresa and um, another woman? Well, you know, 
going back when we started making this movie, the inspiration really came from Jacqueline Fritchie Cornas, who plays Mother Teresa in this movie, when she first went to India years ago and was confronted with this uh, poverty, you know, this misery on the streets, especially children. She was so moved. Um, and she said, I have to do something about it. I can't just do nothing. And a few days later, she was in a um, in the office of a producer at Bollywood, and he had a big painting of her on the on the wall. And the, the inspiration came at the moment. We have to do a movie about Mother Teresa, put her spirits in 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 the world, and activate people to inspire people to do small acts of kindness in the spirit of Mother Teresa when they see what this woman achieved, and so create a better world in this time of strife and war. And that was, you know, the really the the kick of the idea of, uh, for making this movie to yeah. to to share these values. Well, I think if there's one thing that Mother Teresa is universally um, recognized for, it is an immense amount of compassion and a willingness to sacrifice greatly uh, on her own behalf. I mean, she literally died with just the clothes she was wearing, and I think her spectacles, uh, in terms of what she physically owned, but she um, impacted many, many, many people uh, and inspired a great deal of good work across the globe. Um, you, you you decided to come at her story from a quite unique perspective. Describe that for people that haven't had a chance to see the trailer. Yeah, the we thought, you know, that we want to make this movie also for the young people today. And if you're young, you know, if you're younger than 30, you don't recall Mother Teresa, like the you know, she was all over the place. We were watching her. We were in awe of, you know, she was kind of a superhero and um, very mediatic also with Pope John Paul II. And, um, you know, with, with Di uh, Princess Diana, etc. <clears throat> and the world was in awe what she was, she was achieving. And we thought, you know, the, in order to get the young people to Mother Teresa and learn about her, um, why not use a young woman, a contemporary woman, uh, as their guide and discover Mother Teresa through her eyes because she, they'll have an easy time, you know, identifying with this young woman. And uh, so it's a device, you know, a storytelling device. But And this young woman, that's the, the me in Mother Teresa and me, she's a young Indian woman who lives in London of Indian descent, and she finds herself pregnant. And her boyfriend abandons her, and she's desperate. Just at the moment when the parents want to marry her in a with a nice Brian boy, and she, you know, she considers an abortion, and she flees to Calcutta, to where she's originally from, to find herself and also meet her old nanny, who's kind of a grandmother to her. And through the nanny, who was herself adopted by Mother Teresa, and who still works with the mother with the missionaries of charity. She discovers Mother Teresa, and she discovers that Mother Teresa felt abandoned by Jesus. She had a very intimate relationship with Jesus. He was talking to her. He told her, go in the streets, work with the poorest of the poor. And suddenly when she hit the street, boom, he goes, her. he doesn't answer anymore. And she says, you know, her prayers came like back like knives in her heart. It's very tough language, and she's suffering. And and Kavita, who's experiencing a similar situation, feels an immediate kinship to, Ma, to Mother Teresa. And she starts working with the missionaries of charity at the home of the dying, work taking care of a, of a dying lady. She goes to the orphanage, 
finds out, you know, becomes a compassionate person, finds out new values, uh, and by helping others, she helps herself. Hmm. And um, and so we learn with this flashback structure. We always go back to first to the forties, to the fifties. You know how Mother Teresa, which learned, you know. Um, was a nun, you know, she was first a nun with the sisters of Loreto. She was a teacher. When she suddenly was um, received that call within the call, she called it this inspiration to go to work on the streets with the poorest of the poor. One says to remember that uh, after World War II, you know, the, the, India became independent and they partitioned India into India and Bangladesh. And an enormous mass migration started of population and with an ensuing terrible misery that hit also Calcutta, which was a thriving city before that. And that's at that moment that uh, she received that call to go uh, on the streets. And we, we see how, you know, she has this conversation with Jesus. And while the process is taking place, you know, to, to get the authorization from the Vatican to be exclustrated, meaning that she can live as a nun outside of a convent, for two years, she has this conversation with Jesus, and on the day she basically hits the streets, you know, uh, radio silence. And for the rest of her life, she goes through several states of, uh, you know, of emotions. Um, but still, she keeps to the mission, and that's what makes her so remarkable. Even though she and we did we didn't find out about the, those feelings that she had until after her death, and there were a couple of letters that. Um, uh, helped us understand where she was at. But in those years where she felt like um, Jesus was being silent, did she lose faith completely? Well, nobody can say that. And uh, me specifically, you know, we, we don't have a way to know what, what she was feeling. I don't think she lost her faith because when you read the letter, the letters, you know, um, she, she's longing she's constantly longing for God. You know, she speaks of her work. She says, not my work, it's Jesus's work. And it's remarkable because that's what make, makes her really heroic. Because as I was saying earlier, she, when I, when I grew up, she was like superhero Mother Teresa. Right, right, you couldn't right. really relate. You couldn't relate to her. You could just, you, you could just be in awe. And when you discover that, she, that her frailty, you know, emotional also, um, how human she was in that sense, but yet she kept it for herself and kept fighting, kept inspiring people. I mean, she's a, it's a woman who changed the world, you know? Well, and I think um, the fact that she, even though she had doubts about her faith or her relationship with Jesus, the fact that she stayed on mission to which he called her, I think that that is an amazing uh, example of kind of obedience to what you know to be for you when Everybody else might say, hey, just give up on it. We're speaking with yeah. uh, Thierry uh, Kajanut, who is the producer for um, the new film, Mother Teresa and Me. We're going to come right back after this short break. Stay here. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Kevin McCullough. 
All right, in just a second, I'm going to uh, play for you the trailer of uh, Thierry Cajunut's uh, new film, Mother Teresa and Me. It looks amazing, Thierry, and as we feature a lot of films on this show, um, obviously uh, good cinematography, good camera work, uh, good sets, these all matter in terms of really feeling the story. Um, congratulations on that for sure. Thank Let me you. ask you about the, the the big message of the film, which is um, for Mother Teresa and for the Indian woman that's featured. Um, their life takes on new meaning, uh, even in escaping the the sadness and the things that they face by pouring themselves into meeting other people's needs. Is this a message that we are short on in today's world? Yes, very much so. I mean, uh, I mean, you have obviously a lot of people who do also a, a lot of good things, but we live, uh, you know, in very dark days. You know, just open, uh, watch, watch the news, and uh, there is a need for more love and compassion. You know, in following the 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 example of Mother Teresa, and what one is it doesn't about need that to formula that works for people because i this is something that comes back to me often in stories and that is that somehow when people give of themselves to others they find that many times the things that they feel lacking either dissipate or feel more fulfilled in what what is the magic in that formula well i think to, to it's to some extent it's empowering to be able to do something for somebody else you know to to, to not feel helpless you know um, you know, if you think, oh, you have to create a big order or a foundation to be effective, but if you find out you can help someone and you can have an effect on somebody's life, it makes you feel good, mm. you know, and it, it it's very empowering and beautiful feeling to have. And to the other person, you acknowledge his humanity, and so you restore also his human dignity, you know, especially the downtrodden, downtrodden the forgotten, you know, and it doesn't, it can be small things, you know, Mother Teresa was saying, do small things, but with great love. You know, that was a, one of a great thing. And she was saying also, don't wait for the government, you know, but just do it yourself, person by person, you know. Sometimes, you know, with socialist governments, we say, well, the state takes care of everything. Yeah. What, should I, what should I bother? You know, yeah, but um, we're all part of society and we can help our neighbor. That's what... Uh, that's, that's well said. We all okay, about. The movie opens for one night only on Thursday, October 5th, friend. And if you want uh, more information, uh, get online and find out where it's playing near you. In fact, there are 800 theaters across the country that will be debuting at that night, Thursday, October 5th, uh, 2023. Go and see Mother Teresa and me. And Thierry, what's the best website for people to access to find out more information? Well, it's to go on fathomevents.com, in one word, fathom, F-A-T-H-O-M. That's our distributor, a fantastic distributor. We love fathom. Fathomevents.com. Look for Mother Teresa and me and get all the details. Now, before you leave, friends, I want you to see this trailer because I think you're going to be really moved to go and see this movie. Take a look. You're pregnant, young lady. What should I do? Rest for a bit. You still have time to think about it. You'll have to have an abortion. I know. I, you can't keep I it. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Kavita, oh my God, Dipali. You knew her quite well, didn't you? Mother? Yes. Dipali. Most people, when in total doubt, just give up on their dreams. 
cheated on me. I need to take dying people off the streets. You have to give me a place for them. Now. Some Hindus might not accept you. They might suspect you want to convert them. If you want to destroy this place, take me and kill me instead. Darkness. That's all I can see. What do I need to know, for Christ's sake? We just wanted to protect you. I was so wrong. There's so many things. I'm lost, Father. Why does Jesus not love me anymore? Are you here to save humanity or just yourself? Faith might be obscured by the clouds of doubt. I don't know how long I will have the strength to live without faith, without love. us again tonight. Always special to have you with us on the weekend. Uh, and Kevin McCullough couldn't be happier than to uh, have you here. I've been telling you for the last number of months about our very special campaign to end human slavery in our time. Uh, human trafficking, of course, the big theme of the Sound of Freedom movie. Uh, Jim Caviezel speaking very articulate about that in the uh, first hour tonight. And it really brings home the important and good work that you are doing. Uh, in fact, I, I'm, I'm a little bit blown away. We had, I think it was our biggest week of uh, slave liberation yet uh, since we started the campaign in February. And because of you, as you can see, we're at 93 human lives that have been liberated and uh, rescued. And I just think that is an incredibly important uh, note uh, to bring to you. Uh, again, over the years that we've done this together, uh, there have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,500 um, human beings that we have helped liberate through the work of Christian Solidarity International and us working together, uh, you, my viewers and listeners on radio and TV, and um, all of us pulling together. Uh, my family has, on more than one occasion, um, uh, decided that we are going to um, free a slave every single month uh, with CSI, and we've done that for a few years, but I would say all together, all told, all put together, all the people that have come together, we have, um, it's, it's in excess of 3,500 uh, slaves over the last 10 years. And I just want to say thank you for uh, that commitment to every single year help us see uh, several hundred more uh, become free. Now, where did these slaves come from? Well, if you're just joining us for the first time, 
there was a civil war in Sudan. Uh, there are still some factions that uh, don't like the outcome there now. But uh, out of that, two countries were created. South Sudan became the youngest country on the planet, and Sudan uh, continues to exist. Uh, but in that war, like many wars, uh, human beings were the were the prize. They were the, the the spoils. And so the women, particularly, and particularly young girls, were taken uh, out of their home, out of their homeland to the north, where the uh, Arab Sudanese uh, forced them to convert to Islam. Some of them experiencing very harsh circumstances. Well, all of them experiencing very harsh circumstances, but some of them uh, brutally uh, raped m repeatedly over their time in captivity, um, their genitals mutilated, uh, starved for the most part for all those years. They're often only given whatever the the crumbs that are left over from the from the family, and that is very very little uh, when you're talking about a, a very difficult region to begin with. But these uh, these precious precious women and children. Uh, have been also over the last 15 years since the war has been over. They First of all, their future was not determined when the world powers came together and ended the war. They ended the civil war, but they did not do anything about the uh, the, the captivity and the, and the women that had been enslaved. And so uh, as a result, um, it has been the work of Christian Solidarity International and private uh, groups that have gone in, negotiated freedom, uh, and with CSI's case, uh, we have seen over the course of those many years uh, nearly 135,000 um, slaves be liberated. Now, there are probably 35 to 40,000 left that we have not yet um, been able to liberate. Some of them, it's a, a, a difficulty finding them because they don't always look like slaves uh, if, if they're... Um, you know, in an, in an impoverished area, and they are already uh, under difficult circumstances. But the Arab retrievers that CSI is working with uh, goes and finds them. And when they do, uh, we get their name, we know who the slave master is that they serve, uh, and then we're able to negotiate their freedom. Where you and I come in, and this is really what's exciting, is that we get to give them everything they need for their new life. Uh, for one slave that is liberated, um, and it's a basic transaction of a cattle vaccine for a slave. Uh, this is how this is how um, insignificant the life of the slave is to the slave master that he would take a vaccine for his cattle in exchange for it. But when that transaction goes down, the slave is able to um, leave with the retriever to a recovery camp at the border of South Sudan. Uh, from there, they get medical treatment. They get some um, counseling help. They get some uh, just freedom to be able to articulate what's happened to them. In many cases, they've not been allowed to speak uh, on a daily basis to uh, other human beings. Um, and if they do, uh, you know, punishment awaits them. But in, in the recovery camp, they have counseling, they have medical uh, care. Sometimes they need uh, treatment for injuries or uh, disease that may have gone undiagnosed or untreated as uh, they were living in captivity. But once they are kind of on the mend and uh, kind of in a place where they're more able to to face the next uh, layer of life, because it's a big shock. A lot of these girls were taken when they were just little, uh, under age 10 even in some cases. Um, but they tell their story to the CSI uh, personnel. They figure out the region that they're from, and then the CSI folks help them get back to either family members or their original home areas 
as they are there. And that's significant because when the slave shows up in their hometown, it is it is a massive party. Think prodigal son story in the Bible, but like on speed. It's just really um, amazing. Now, uh, in addition to that, uh, they are given um, what's called a, a, a bag of hope, but it's, it's so much more than just a bag. Um, let me tell you everything that's in it. Uh, a year's worth of sorghum grain for them to use as food to be able to feed themselves. Um, sorghum is the kind of grain of choice in that region, and it's very easy for them to, to use and uh, cook, and they've likely done so in captivity on some level for their slave masters. So they have a, a year's worth of food. They have another year's worth of seed to plant to grow more sorghum. So they've got immediate food, and they've got food in the future. They're given all kinds of utensils and tools and uh, things that will help them against the weather and be able to sleep and be more comfortable and uh, towels and blankets and other things that they'll need. Uh, then in addition to that, there, um, there are utensils for gardening, for fishing, for cooking. Uh, they'll need all of those things uh, in uh, supporting themselves. And there's other things included in that bag. And then not in the bag, but part of the bag is a she-goat that every one of them get, and they get to um, use that goat to make uh, goat kids, uh, goat cheese, goat milk, uh, support themselves with a microenterprise business, and uh, be able to do it all uh, to help themselves. Friends, that's what you give for $250 when you call right now, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010, or just go online to bringherhome.org. Ready or not, you'll be right back. Serving it up with a no-drink minimum. It's that Kevin show. Ladies and gentlemen, once more, Switchfoot. Welcome to the train. Welcome to
salvation is here.